Hello, Internet. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is you're listening. I am Chase Jarvis. I want to welcome you to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. In case you forget, this show is where I sit down with the world's top creatives, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, and I unpack their brains to bring you valuable and actionable insights with the goal of helping you live your dream in the careers, in the hobbies, and in life. My guest today is Justine Ezerick, otherwise known as iJustine. You guys know Justine. She is an internet personality, a creator, an actress, an author, maybe just, I don't know, a media maven. She does everything well. Uh, one of the things that I like best about Justine is she is undeniably, unapologetically herself. It's sort of cool and weird that in this day and age, you can be an internet celebrity as a job. And that's what's interesting about Justine. She has made a job out of living her life in that unapologetic, I Justine way that no one else can imitate. In today's episode, we cover a ton of ground. It's two friends have been friends for a long, for 10 years. 10 years is a long time, people. 10 years. We talk about early internet uh, and how she grew her community from nothing, specifically around the things that she wanted to create her community around. And in the process of creating a community, created an amazing life, a living for herself, especially in the face of people telling her she couldn't do that, that that actually wasn't a thing to be able to build in her world or her case, uh, an online personality and a way to make a living. And there's, you know, you will take from Justine's paradigm, you will take from her example that you can do the same thing, not just online, but in any sort of pursuit that interests you. Insanely inspirational. In this uh, episode, we cover some actual tactics for growing community, but we also talk about how to how to stay authentic, how to build that brand around work in a world where making a living at the same time is actually critical. Uh, we talk about struggles. Uh, and she was, like so many of you, like myself, you were making a living, putting together jobs that you didn't necessarily love. Justine was a video editor in a really abusive environment. Uh, my background, I was waiting tables while I was trying to figure out photography. And, and we hear from Justine how she quit that job, packed it all up, moved from the middle of nowhere, I think she calls it, the middle of nowhere outside of Pittsburgh, all the way to LA, and made her dream come true. There's some great tactical stuff about growing a community, growing an audience, and overall, I think this episode is probably the best step-by-step, step, put the puzzle pieces together about how to do the thing that you want to do, especially in a sea of voices that telling you you can't do it. Justine is insanely inspirational. She's funny. She's self-deprecating. And she's so good at what she does. It's just fun to watch and listen to anyone who is world-class like she is. So with that, right now you're saying, Chase, shut up. Justine's so amazing. Let me get into Justine. So I'm going to do that. I'll get out of your way. But before I do, before we start the show, I got to give you a quick little message from our sponsor. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. And right now you're saying, wait a minute, isn't that the company that you started? Yes, it is. It is my company, but they make this show possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, you must check it out. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best 
of the best teach photo, video, art design, music and audio, craft and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all of those disciplines. There is free content there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there's also more than 10,000 hours of content for you to access on demand. You guys know I'm a huge believer in the power of daily habits, and today Creative Live, as a part of the sponsor announcement, wants you to know that they have a new, very powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. That would be the Creative Live iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV apps. They're all free, and they let you watch all of the Creative Live classes that are on air streaming for free, anything you already own, and on the iPhone and iPad apps, you can watch one daily lesson of your choosing for free. That is one of 25,000 lessons for free, which is super, <laughs> super gnarly. To get those apps, go to the App Store, uh, iTunes, and search Creative Live, or go to creativelive.com slash apps. There you go. Now, let's get into the show. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. This is great. I... I looked at an email. I was searching your email yeah. to, to correspond with you about this show. And I think we corresponded in 2007. Was that the last time? I think, <laughs> I think it was. Oh my God. But that's when we met, I think 2007. Wow. Um, do you remember the thing, um, the Nikon thing? Yes, of course. I mean, yeah, of course. It was, it was crazy. We got to give away other people's money. Yeah, and then we went to Sundance. That was the first time I'd ever been to, to Sundance. So it was kind of a cool experience. I have, I've been to like three or four since, but not recently. Have you been recently? No, yeah. I don't really like the cold. So yeah. if I don't have to go anywhere near snow, I'm <laughs> going to just voluntarily opt out. <laughs> Speaking of cold, I should give a shout out to 72 and Sunny, these folks here in LA, one of my favorite ad agencies in the world. They're letting us use this room, which is Howard Hughes' original office. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And it's like 100 degrees in here. Is it, it, not? it is really warm. Are yeah. you comfortable though? I mean, you're just, you're... we don't have a choice. This is what this is what we're doing. But yes, I actually would prefer to be, to be super warm. warm. So yeah, as long as it's not freezing. What I remember good. about, the, so 2007, doesn't feel like that's 10 years. Oh gosh, well you don't have to we have to just I know we don't have to go there. Put a number I'm sorry. on it. <laughs> um, and we got to give away a hundred thousand, I think hundred and fifty thousand dollars, remember that, to some aspiring filmmakers? Yeah, it was really cool. And I remember that was the first time because I mean I had always been using um, like I think it was I forget which camera I was using. I think it was a 6D and it didn't have autofocus. Uh -huh. And then the Nikon had autofocus and, and DSLR video or something. I'm not yeah. sure. I think I might be mixing up some things in the timeline of cameras. That's okay. But it was like, oh wait, it was the first DSLR to have video. Is that yes. correct? Okay, so then the 60D that was, was the after D, that. That was the D90. That's which, right. Uh -huh. Okay. There's so many yeah, I know, so many firsties. Yeah. And I remember getting to give, and they did a little film contest and we got to give away 100, 100 grand to the first prize, 150. I think we called them. I don't remember. Okay, I'm, I'm, my, I'm gonna do the, remember, okay. the memory part for us both now. We got to call them, and they recorded us calling them and giving them a hundred. One person a hundred thousand dollars, and another person fifty thousand. I think it might have been prearranged. Like, hey, we're going to call you at two o'clock. I think so. Yeah. So that they were just like didn't go to voicemail. Like, I don't know who this person is. And I remember the fifty thousand dollar guy wept. Oh, I mean, yeah. Of course, fifty you? grand. That's right? crazy, especially for like doing such a cool contest and, and being a part of it. And of course, so true. They got our phone well, call. <laughs> well, a lot has happened for you in ten years. Yeah, I mean, I can't even really just <laughs> ten years. I, God, I'm, I know you don't want me to keep no, saying ten okay, years. No, it's okay. But you think about it, and, and um, I went back and I did uh, like the ten year of iPhone video, and I've been making videos about the iPhone for so long, 
that even like last night, I haven't posted it yet, or depending upon when this is out, it'll probably be out, but I unboxed the iPhone 3GS, and then fairly recently I also unboxed like the original iPod, and it was just kind of crazy and so nostalgic to be unboxing this old technology that took me back to a place in my life of how I felt when I was opening it. Like the first iPod, I was in high school and didn't know what I wanted to do, and I'm still not really sure what I want to do. Does anybody ever know? I don't think they do. It's true. But just opening that, you know, it, it took me back to high school and um, you know the things that me and that iPod have been through. Me and that iPod, it's, so, it's like, it's, like it's buddy. so silly, but it, you know, I mean, you're always listening to music, and I think music kind of puts you in a better place. So for me, that iPod, it was, it really did start it all. I also did an iPod thing back in when it first came out, 2000. It was early, like four, three, four, five. <sighs> Let's see. The moment it had the buttons and the spin yeah, yeah. wheel. Oh, I should have brought it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Relic technology just. <laughs> Um, but whenever it came out, I also uh, was in a, a commercial that was promoting it. And I think it was more of an industry thing. It was mm -hmm. like a 60-second documentary. It had people from Apple. And the, the tagline, a thousand songs in your pocket. In your pocket, yes. Brilliant tagline. But also, it's like right now you're going... Only a thousand? Like I have, right. I have the entire internet in my pocket now. What would I do with only a thousand? But it's such a paradigm change. It really was, and I think it might have been like October-ish, two thousand one, two thousand two, around that time frame. Crazy. Even longer. But Crazy. Yeah, Did I say three? I said two thousand three. That's a long time ago. Yeah, but I mean, there's still iPods out. But yeah, that's like two thousand one. So you recently did a ten-year retrospective. Yeah. With the iPhone. It was pretty cool, and it kind of just was like. I was going back and like watching these videos and it's like you saw yourself change, you saw the technology change and it really made me excited for the future of, of what's next. All right, so I think there's, there are very few people in the world who don't know who you are and what you do, but for the handful of folks in the audience, how, how do you describe yourself? Man, that's like the hardest question I think you're going to ask today. I, I know, and that's, I, uh, it is, one of the reasons <laughs> I'm asking it is because it, I think, defines a generation or... Mm -hmm or peer group, or I don't know, I never know how to say it, so I'm A, trying to learn something, hijack some of your points, yeah. but B, like, folks who are listening, they need to, who are of the same ilk that we are, they don't have a way to identify, and I'm hoping that we can land on something. I mean, I would say a content creator is sort of a safe thing to say. I mean, people mm -hmm. like to call us YouTubers. I make videos on YouTube, but I also post content everywhere, so I feel like calling people content creators is a safe bet, because that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. And um, some people call us YouTubers, which is, I think, easy to understand for a lot of people because they all understand YouTube. Did you see they yeah. just announced that people are watching like a billion... A billion hours yeah. a, a day. A day! A billion. It was a hundred million four years ago. So it 10x'd in four years. That's bonkers. Yeah, so I mean, I've been doing that. I've been on YouTube since like 2006, making videos, and still, to this day, I'm still doing it, and I still actually really enjoy it, and... I'm not good at sticking to doing things at all. So the fact that I still love doing this after so long, I know that I've, I've found something that, that I'm super passionate about and I love it. I love technology, I love video games, and I love travel. So being able to make that a career, you know, it's, I'm, I'm so lucky and, and, and I'm seeing so many of my friends do it and I'm meeting all of my friends from YouTube. I mean, that's, I think I met some of my best friends from MySpace like back in the <laughs> yes. day. I, and it's crazy to really think that like, that's where friendships start and that's what today is. Yeah. So, but in addition to being a content creator, I just did air quotes for you people who are listening. <laughs> That's a terrible thing, but um, you're also on television. You've also got a book. Yeah. You also, there's like five other things. I mean, yeah, there is a lot. I was you, didn't you do a 
Aren't you doing music also? Oh, well, that's for my dog. This It sounds crazy, but I, I love music, too. Okay, oh. give, give me, like, a each one of those. <laughs> so there's TV things, and then there's music things. Yeah. And I'm trying to make a point underneath all this, too. So what else What else you got? You get, Let's talk about TV. TV, I mean, that's been super fun. And one of the craziest things is one of my favorite shows was Law & Order SVU back in the day. You were a corpse. Yes. And it was like, I just was watching, like, show after show. And then finally I saw at the end of the uh, one of the episodes... The casting director, I was like, well, I wonder if he's on Twitter. Maybe I'll tweet him and see if he can make me a dead body. <laughs> this was like 2009. Crazy. And then he tweets me back and sends me an email, and then we corresponded. I flew to New York, and I was a dead body. Crazy. What does a credit read? Justine Zerica, that I had, I did have a name, which was good. So you, I, okay, I had a few good. speaking lines. It's not just corpse, corpse no. number one. No. <laughs> but, you know, I've done a bunch of stuff like that, and then. Um, I was on an episode of Chop Jr., which was super wow. fun fairly recently as a judge. And um, let's see, Celebrity Apprentice as their viral video correspondent what? boardroom judge. I'm not sure what their technical term was. With Ani? Yes. No. Yeah, it was yes. super cool. It was it was awesome. And I, That's not out yet. It hasn't dropped No, yet. it did. Okay. Yeah, it, did? it was already out. Oh, I've, I missed it. I'm it's sorry. It's okay. You, you can catch the reruns. Okay. But I'm it was sorry. really fun to sort of be in there and, and you know, having that voice of someone who has been doing this for so long and to be able to try to help these traditional celebrities create a viral video, which I hate that word. Oh. Hate. Can we, hate, can we rip on that for a second? Yeah. Is there, a, like, the concept of creating a video to be viral, it, like, don't you just make a great video and then someone else decides if it's viral? Exactly. Like, if there's this recipe that you could... I don't know. I'll stop ripping on that for a second. Back to TV and you. So you get to be on Celebrity Apprentice, Law & Order. You got a TV thing. You got a music thing with your dog. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds kind of silly, but like I love sort of like dance music. So I wanted to kind of make my dog a DJ and go on tour with him and come out with an album. And mostly because I, I adopted him and I, there's so many animals that need homes and rescued and there's so many different shelters that need money. So I was like, well, this will be great. I'll go into with my dog, portion of the proceeds, can go to different animal charities and then on each tour stop, it could be so fun because we could have other dogs come out that need adopting and it would just be just a really, I, mean, I just want to make an excuse to hang out with my dog and other dogs and animals. <laughs> so I was like, this will be great. Awesome. I know, they're so cute. Is it, so is this happening? Yeah. Oh my God. We still have a little while because I'm kind of slow. That's sort of like, you know, in the mix of doing everything else. So will Maddie, who's your, what's your yes. dog's name? Will Maddie make celebrity appearances with other, and will this elevate Maddie to full celebrity? Like, does I hope Maddie so. have, have his own. Well, his, and stuff. Yeah, his manager is also my manager, so Got you know it. sometimes he's like, I can't believe I'm doing a deal for a dog right now. <laughs> but yes, he is. He is on everywhere as DJ Mini Matt. Oh, I mean, it sounds good, right? He does. <laughs> so, will DJ DJ Mini Matt will DJ Mini Matt like party with Grumpy Cat and Lil Bub and or, or other dogs? Or Probably dogs. dogs. I mean, I, I'm he's. I think he likes he's cats. Get some energy. He, but like cats, they like to punch. Yeah. And, so they and, punch in the nose. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Got it. So that's so a music, music thing. music, TV, and then the book was actually really fun because it kind of told the story of my growing up on the internet and also kind of following Twitter from the very beginning and Instagram and kind of just an exploration of, of me sort of discovering who I was. And it, it was a super fun book. And um, on the cover, it was kind of an ode to Steve Jobs, it, clearly, if, if you want to put it right here. It's right. <laughs> it's, well, it's right there. Boing, we'll just drop it right in there. <laughs> Magical. Um, yeah, writing a book was interesting because, you know, I was, I was so used to writing tweets and even like I started a blog in like high school, 
but I was never like a traditional writer. So my writing style was like, I'm going to write a few sentences and then I'm going to move on to the next thought. So like the editor, she's like, so... So about this writing yeah, stuff. Yeah, so like you want to take like five tweets, put them together into a paragraph. So then you're going to be good. I was like, perfect. Mm. So yeah, I mean, thankfully I had so much help and incredible... Um, other writer that helped me sort of get my thoughts out, and it was a, a really incredible collaborative process. So ugh, I loved it. So daily videos, almost daily. Almost daily. I don't tell people I do them daily, but I almost always do them daily. So that's like six things, right? Five yeah, things, I didn't go things. to bed until like three o'clock because I was trying to finish my video for today, and it didn't happen. So sorry to anybody. This it is, does. This is a three a.m. bed face. Like. <sighs> And I fell asleep with my Nintendo Switch because I was like, maybe I can play 15 minutes of Zelda before. <laughs> and I just, I passed out. <laughs> all right, so the, under, the, the point that I'm trying to make behind all this is that clearly we're all a bunch of hyphens. You have a, do you think of your career as based in any one media or medium? Digital. Digital. Digital as yeah. a thing. Uh, and so also for the folks at home, I, I think that's a paradigm that people have to get used to. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm talking like it's 2005, even though it's 2000, what is it? 17. 2017. Oh boy. I know. Every time I say a date, you're like, no. I know, because it's just crazy. It is crazy. But the fact that these things are, um, they're becoming more abundant and more numerous, and I'll say also more opportunistic, you as author, as TV star, as vlogger, video maker, content creator, um, each one of those things is something that has, is, is or will have continued days in the sun. So now you have this robust career. How do you decide what to put your energy into? Because there's folks at home that are going like, oh my God, I, if I could do any of those things, what should, what should I do since all of them are yeah. viable? So this is advice. I Justine's advice <laughs> to the people who want to, this is for two groups of people, mm -hmm. let's give two separate pieces of advice. One advice for the people who are already doing something, they identify as creative or entrepreneurial, what advice do you give them about the future? And then thing two is for the people who are sitting at home going, fuck, I don't want to leave my job, yeah. I'm burned out, I want to go try and support myself, or even a side hustle. Two separate, this is therapy with Justine. I mean, I would just say the bottom line is like, what do you want to do? Like, what makes you happy? Because... For me, I do so many things because I do get bored easily. So it's like, how do I make the things that I really, really like a part of what I'm already doing? Hey, guess what? I have a dog. I love my dog. I love dance music. How do I make this something creative and fun that is yeah. fun for everybody? So, I mean, I just get random ideas and things that I want to do. And then sometimes I also, for me, like I'll set a, I don't necessarily set goals because I'll be like, cool, that'd be awesome if I could do this. But then something else cooler comes up and I don't want to be deterred from be like, oh, I can't do that because I already have this set goal in mind. I mean, I have taken so many twists and turns over the past however long that I've been doing this that if I would have stayed in my regular job, I was a graphic designer and I was um, video production and editing, but I was a really fast editor. So like my boss would be like, okay, is that video done yet? I'm like, yeah, it's been done for like two days. And, and that two days that I've been doing nothing, I've been you know, creating my own content and stuff like that. So I did have the luxury of that. But it's like, what do you want to do? And, and, and it's easy to say now that I'm at that point where it's something that I can say. Yeah. But, I mean, I was basically, I moved to L.A. I was essentially homeless. Like, I had absolutely nothing. I moved with a lighting kit and a laptop and this awful pink suitcase that I will never forget with, like, <laughs> a pillow and, like, a bunch of sweatpants. And, like, I slept on the floor for the first two years that I was here. And then... 
yeah, and then I was dating this guy, and he was, for a, a long time, he's like, okay, like, I'm not going to come to your house, and I'm not, I can't sleep on the floor. You have a blanket <laughs> and a pillow. Like, this is pathetic. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. I just bought a new camera and a new laptop, and those are the things that were a priority. And I was like, oh, I'm sleeping on the floor. All right, I'm going to unpack, I think, at least if I can remember three things that you just said. So one, one of the things is that you literally made up your job. Like, I like, or one facet of your job yeah. we already talked about. So I like my dog, Maddie. I like music. I like dancing. And I want to put all those things together. Yeah. And I think if you're sitting at home, you're like, wait a minute, that's totally ridiculous. And yet, to me, that's actually the secret. That is the formula. And... Um, can you justify that? Can you tell me if I'm right? And so, like, like it's literally that is the thing because that's putting you in there. Because how many? I mean, you, maybe you're maybe you're just stealing this idea. And there's a bunch of people who have dogs that they want to turn into DJs on the internet. I don't think that's the case. I haven't. I have seen a DJ pig. <laughs> it's DJ Bass Pig, which when I, I think I was like talking about it at Comic Con or something at one, and and somebody stood up and they're like. What about I, DJ? They're like, there's a DJ pig. It, she just started her channel. It's like this huge pig. It's incredible. But I don't, I mean, they just call it that, but I don't think it actually is a DJ. Whereas, like, I have a little mixer and, like, my dog will, like, he actually, I mean, he can't do it to the rhythm. It's basically if I move my hand, he does exactly what I do. That's so cute. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it really is. I mean, even the job that I'm doing now, I mean, 2006, nobody was doing this. I got made fun of. And in high school, I had, I was, like, coding my own. I guess essentially a blog. It was a daily random photo site, so I would have to create the main homepage and then manually change the forward and the backlinks and everything and all of the archived pages because there wasn't something to do that yeah. back then. So, I mean, it really is like you do create your own destiny, which sounds so cheesy, it does, but, but it, it is and it is and and that's the point that I'm trying to make. And it's that if I think there's people at home sitting there listening saying, well, yeah, but it's easy if you already have X million followers to start some random thing. Yeah, I started at nothing, absolutely nothing. And yeah. and again, one of the things for me is I always loved finding new tech and finding new websites. I was like probably the 103rd person to join Instagram super early on Twitter and all of these things because I was always looking for the next cool thing and not just staying focused on one thing. You yeah. have to diversify. I mean, I was posting videos everywhere, Yahoo, Daily Motion, Rever, so half of these things don't even exist Re anymore. Rever. <laughs> Rever was the first website to pay you. Yeah. I mean, I think they still owe me $20 when they shut <laughs> down. <laughs> Rever. They're no longer with us. But mm -hmm. but even then, YouTube wasn't paying people, so I was making you know a few dollars off of Rever. And you know I would still... One of the things that was really difficult starting out is I sort of had this, not really a brand in mind, but I wanted to have clean content that was kind of accessible for everyone. Yeah. And a lot of brands would come to me and be like, hey, we've got this like alcohol or something else that I would never even want to say on camera <laughs> sponsorship. Would you do it? I'm like, oh, I'm poor. I have no money. I can't even feed myself, but I can't take this, you know? And I feel like that has been able to let me sort of keep this longevity is, yeah. is knowing what I like and, and keeping that in mind. There's, but yeah. There's a sort of a truth to that. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to put a pin in that because that's really valuable. Bing, let's go back. So the fact that you can today like literally make up what you want. And it sound, I think one of the things that I want to try and drill into a little bit is it sounds random, but what I think, if I can translate what you're saying to like people who don't have that headspace, is that you're finding something that you're truly passionate about, that you care about your dog, you care about dancing, you care about music, and you care about the internet. And it sounds, like you said, I think the word cheesy, but that you can literally, if you start making videos, that what that is actually doing is putting you into your work. And 
like that's how you develop personal style. And I think there's this fear of if it's not out there yet, that it's not, that means it can't be successful. But I actually think the opposite is true. If, if it's not out there, then the world is waiting to see a little piece of you in particular or some new thing. Yeah. What's your, what's your stance on that? For sure. No, and, and I think, you know, failure is, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, yeah, it really sucks. I mean, sure. even now, I mean, there's sometimes I'll post a video that I'm super proud of and whatever, maybe YouTube might be down that day. The algorithm wasn't in my favor and it does terribly. And for a lot of YouTubers, I mean, they're like, that's it. It's all over. My career is dead. I'm like, well, guess what? There's tomorrow. So hopefully tomorrow will be better. Yeah. So, and I think that's something that's also hard is because people do focus on the numbers and you know, I'm just happy that I can consistently be uploading and hey, maybe today there's 20,000 people and then tomorrow, oh my gosh, this was a great video, something happened, it has a million views. So it, there is the ups and the downs and you just kind of have to not quit. I mean, that has been my strategy and my tip to people. I'm like, well, if you don't quit, like you're eventually, it's gonna, you're gonna make it. Yeah. So you just gotta keep going. Yeah, it's hard to lose or it's hard to beat someone who never quits. Yeah. It seems like that's another, like stamina is wildly underrated. So I'm going to go back and wrap that one up. So it's the thing that you are that is the thing that you should be making, whether it's, you know, in any of the spaces we've been talking talking about, that's the thing that I think people miss. They're, they're too busy looking at what everybody else is doing instead of what their own things are. Um, and then the second one, the fact that the stamina is so undervalued. I know, I feel like I personally know so many people or and my feed is full of people asking yeah. advice, which I'm sure you get around, oh yeah, I just I did five of these things where you go look at my portfolio and I try not to look at people's portfolios because that would be a full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> but they I see people like quitting when they're just getting started. So any advice to those folks about like how long you know, you've heard ten thousand hours, yeah. you've you've been at this, we've already said ten years, like a fifty times in this, yeah, <laughs> in it's this crazy. video. But like I don't know, put a, put a horizon on this for some people. Like how, how long, how hard should they go at their dreams? I mean, if it's something that you really want to do, I mean, really don't stop. And, and thankfully, you know, I've always been sort of working sort of in that space and doing mm -hmm. things. So while I wanted to make YouTube videos, you know, I was doing freelance graphic design on the side and doing video production, the stuff that I didn't necessarily want to do but you had to do it. Or I know a lot of my friends too that have started making YouTube videos, they work at Starbucks part-time because they have great benefits and all this and that. So they can still do YouTube videos. So it's, you have to make those sacrifices until you're able to fully fund you know, that passion project that has turned into something. And I, I definitely did probably quit my job a little bit too soon, <laughs> but sometimes you do have to do that so that you can focus on it. And back then though, I mean, no one knew this landscape and no it's one crazy. knew what it was doing. So the fact that I kept doing it, a lot of people were confused and concerned. And I mean, I think it all eventually worked out, but there were the ups and downs again. Let's talk about that culturally. Mm -hmm. So naysayers, haters, parents, people of influence in your life who were telling you that it was hard or impossible or asking questions, what, what is it that you're doing? You're making YouTube videos <laughs> and, you're, and obviously the tables yeah. have turned, but... And that cultural pressure is another thing that a lot of people who are on the other ends of this microphone or in cameras are thinking or feeling. So what what were some of those things that you personally went through? 
yeah, so I mean, folks at home could not like, do that. I mean, my parents were definitely skeptical, but they were always very supportive of the things that I was doing, which was always strange. I mean, like I was making home movies of like my sister's guinea pig and like dressing him up and building him houses. So for them, this is just sort of an extension of what I had been doing my entire life. Yeah. And they knew that I loved electronics and video games. Like my mom, like so sweet. I went back when I was like writing my book, like asked her like, why did you buy me like a Nintendo? Like back in the day, like that wasn't a normal thing for most girls to get as a gift. And she's like, well, that's the only thing you wanted and you wouldn't stop asking for it. So that was like your one gift for her birthday and Christmas. So I think thankfully they've been super supportive, but you know, I think going through high school, I was the only girl in my computer programming classes. I know there was like one other girl that was thankfully also a part of kind of the our little computer club, like we would have LAN parties, like we would all bring a computer <laughs> to like one person's house and we would just connect all our computers. If you didn't hear that, that's LAN, like L-A-N. local area network. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like we, I didn't go to prom, like that's, like we had a, a LAN tie prom and it was incredible because like those things and those people that I was, were able to connect with, I think mm. feel like shaped sort of who I was also. So it's, it's find people that are doing what you're doing, surround yourself with those people and yeah, it's difficult. I mean, yeah, at high school and, and middle school, yeah, definitely got made fun of. I mean, here's the girl doing a sixth grade book report on Steve Jobs and like going into the computer lab that's like off into the corner that no one ever goes to because that's where all the Macs were. And I was like, what are, so these are where the Mac computers are. And I don't know. It's just, I feel like I've always known what I was into and passionate about. And I feel like everybody sort of has that. Like yeah. think about what you love and what you want to do. And tomorrow, if you were to wake up and be able to do that, like just think about like those small stepping stones to get there. And the absurdity of whatever it is that you think that no one else is into. They're I mean, going to be. Yeah, that's another part of this sort of economy and the fact that you can touch so many other people at scale with the tools that are free right now. Um, another thing that people discount, they're like, oh, well, I'm into... Um, knitting. Knitting, yeah, knitting portraits of rock stars. That's, I'm sure that's That would thing. be a huge, there's like, yeah. I'm sure there's a community of people who knit portraits. Yes. <laughs> a knit no, portrait for sure. of prints. But that's what's so cool. And especially even if it's something that there isn't a wide audience for, mm-hmm. be the best at that. Or yeah. you don't have to be the best, be the second best, whatever. Just be in that and yeah. just have fun and enjoy it. And, you know, what's cool about even the smaller communities, since there isn't the huge demand for it, you know, if you're the best of that small community, yeah. like everyone's going to know that and, it, and and find a way to put a spin on it where it's something unique and fun. I mean, it is way more difficult now because everyone's creating content. Everyone's yeah. trying to become a YouTuber or an Instagrammer. And I think the bottom line is, yeah, you do want to make money, but you also want to enjoy it because people can definitely see if it's just, if you're like, I'm just starting this YouTube channel for money. Yeah, if you just, yeah, that's it's never going to materialize. So... Any other um, things that were hard or, or people or voices in your life that tried to talk you out of following this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I really didn't listen, but I, I know definitely in high school it was it was a struggle because I was still doing that and, and making YouTube, not no, not YouTube, it wasn't out yet. Google Video. <laughs> but yes, well, and yeah, well, there wasn't even like video. Like I was doing uh, like Flash. Fiddler was, yeah, that was wild. But Flash, I was real into Flash and Action Script. So I was like creating little animated cartoons and making websites. So back in the day, like that was sort of the comedy because video wasn't really a thing yet yeah. and the bandwidth wasn't available. Um, but yeah, it, it, everyone was very skeptical. And then when I moved out here with absolutely nothing, people were like, 
what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I also streamed my life for six months straight on Justin TV. We have which, to talk about that. Yeah, we well, probably shouldn't, but I did. Yeah. I did it for six months straight, which is six months. Nuts. Yeah. How do you stay safe and do that? I don't know how I stayed safe or sane, yeah. to be honest with you. But it, it was, I think, at the point after six months, maybe like five, I was like, I can't keep doing this because... A little backstory for people who don't know. Justin TV, Justin started streaming his life. And mm-hmm. then, if I'm not mistaken, you were the first person, not Justin? Yeah, Justine. People still to this day sometimes are skeptical and thinking that that's not my actual name. Like, I remember <laughs> even... Because I wasn't as well known then, so I was like showing my ID to people, be like, "No, no, my name is actually Justine." And I had met Justin at MacWorld, and I saw this dude walking around with a camera on his head. Didn't he? Yeah, it was kind yeah. of a bigger camera. At it that was, time too. and I was like, didn't exist. "Bro, what are you doing? This is so cool." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah that's nuts. So I ended up being the second person other than Justin to have like a channel and stream. But then also, I took over for him for a day whenever he had to go to like investor meetings and stuff. So I did that for a really long time. And I feel like I still have fans from that day that still watch now. And that I feel like I'm super connected with because they basically lived with me for six months straight. I mean, I, I took them everywhere. Not bathroom or shower, just for the yeah. record. This was a completely <laughs> like G-rated. G-rated. Go back to earlier point, would, G-rated. Yes, I would play like piano for them terribly. It was like a child's piano. I mean, it, it was hard trying to be entertaining for six months straight, 24-7. So I've done a lot of these interviews and sometimes several in a day. I did an Uber Live where I did 13 interviews in a day and the, the, the little red light pointing at you for 13 hours. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I have a lot of energy, so I, I never minded that stuff. But after like 13 hours, I was like, yeah. all right, like brain not working so good. How about forever and always? How I did mean, you do that? It was kind of just like hanging out with like a roommate more or less, I feel like. that was sort of always there. Um, I became so self-aware of everything, like what I was wearing, making sure I was completely covered up. And it wasn't just, it was, it was kind of really crazy because somebody was watching you at all times. Um, but you just kind of started talking to someone who wasn't there, which was also kind of strange. Like, what do you guys think of this? And I there's nobody here. <laughs> the day after you stopped, yeah. would you, would you, did you walk around talking to yourself all day? I felt super alone after I stopped, which was kind of weird because yeah. I got so used to having this instant access and this instant um, just community of people that I could crowdsource. Like, where should I go to lunch or where should I go to dinner or how do I get to this location? Like, I'm driving to New York. Help, my GPS isn't working. How do I get here? And I had like people in the chat like directing me and my friend that were driving to New York how to get places. And it was just so instant then because it was no one else was really doing this and so people were just watching it's so weird when i think about it and talk about it how and that was a long time ago right that was 2007 2007 all right so would you say that that was the catalyst for youtube for you or was it some other other way around did you have was it your design background and making videos and being a video editor that preceded the justin tv like I'm trying to uncover like the path and how, helping people like pull on their own strings. Yeah. Like, hey, there's something in your life that you care about. Why don't you pull on that string and see where it goes? So which one happened for you first? I mean, I was still doing all the video stuff, but my thought process was, oh, it takes so long to edit. Why don't I just live stream? I won't have to edit. Isn't it crazy? And then I did it. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's, that's cool. But it, there is something about being able to take an edited piece and be able to make it exactly what you want. And then, you know, doing fun things that, that are live is also super cool. But I feel like now when I do anything live, I spend more time telling everyone that I'm live so they don't say anything bad. Yeah. That it's not even a good live stream. So 
I'm live. I'm hey, live. I just want to let everyone just, know. Just so you know. <laughs> um, but live is, so um, this show was live for, I think, five years before we ever did a not live version. And Creative Live is live. Um, and yet live is just, and has been for since 2010. Mm-hmm. And yet live is, I feel like it's actually just now hitting its stride. But folks like you, me, some of these other things that we're doing, we're a little bit less live yeah. than we were maybe in 2007 when you were, everything was live 24 hours a day for six months. Is that a, is there a backlash going on? Like what, what, what's happening with live right now? I feel like it's just so easy now. I mean, yeah. the, the tools are there, the connectivity is there, everybody has the bandwidth to be able to consume that content. And I mean, it's, especially with gaming, I mean, mm-hmm. some of the top viewed content on YouTube and top streamed things like Twitch and, and other different streaming platforms, like it's incredible. Like that's what people are watching and they're watching it live. And now it's it's just easier, I think. And the, the technology has caught up to to today, essentially. And then everyone can watch and see. And, and it's also very scary. Live? <laughs> what the hell? Um, so... Instagram Live, Facebook Live, it, like it's nuts. Everywhere. Yeah. All Periscope, the time. Periscope, yeah, it really is. Is there a, what's the future in that media? Is it going to, I, I get asked this, so I'm yeah. dying to know um, what your take on it is as someone who's been doing live for seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, I have mixed emotions. I just think that the gap between where, like the, the, the gap is just continuing to shrink for yeah. information. But what's your take? Like, you know, is that good thing? Why? What's it going to look like? Or what's going to feel like in a media landscape? Yeah, I feel like we're already sort of getting a sense of that, the immediacy. I mean, the things that we're seeing that are being streamed live is entertaining. It's scary. I mean, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more things that we wish that we hadn't seen uh-huh. live. And, and I think people are also turning to that as sort of a accountability. They're like, well, I'm streaming live right now, so go ahead, do something, go ahead. You know, and, and I think it's going to be, it's going to be really scary actually yeah. to see where that all goes and just hope that, you know, that's a, it's a big responsibility when you're going live. And it's, I don't think people who are doing that now understand that because yeah. you're also entertaining, but you're also putting everyone else sort of at risk because whatever they say can be streamed to whoever knows how many people. Right. What is... Your um, does that make you want to shy away from that medium because there's more risk in there? There's more risk of uh, offending or tripping up, or and is that does that by the same coin but the opposite side of that coin make it more exciting and interesting? Yeah, I mean, I'm totally fine going live. I don't mm-hmm. care my, as long as my friends are cool with it. Mm-hmm. I just really do care about other people's privacy yeah. and safety. And especially like filming kids. I mean, there's there. It really sort of is kind of like that wild west yeah. of like, what if I don't want to be filmed? You yeah. know. And even sometimes because I've been doing this for so long, and so many of my friends are vloggers and, and things like that, it's just like, like can we just please just don't film take, me right now. Yeah, I just really I don't want to yeah. talk. And you yeah. know, my sister does it too. So it's it's like a day that I'm not vlogging, she is. So there really isn't like a I don't know, just like a safe space. Yeah. Um, I just recently took a vacation for the first time and I didn't edit for six days and I started getting super antsy though. I was like, man, <laughs> I Like this feels I, good I for 48 it. hours and then you're like, Ugh. Yeah, but it was it was so weird because having that feeling of like, I have all of my videos prepped for this week, I actually don't have to edit anything mm-hmm. and it was kind of a crazy feeling. 
So it's like that's something that I haven't felt in a really long time. All right, so I'm going to go back to the angle for trying to add value to the people who are listening to this, specifically around like what it takes. Mm-hmm. So you just said, I had all of my videos lined up. So that, what that connotes when you say that is that's a plan. Yeah. So you clearly, it's not just, we talk about being the Wild West, but that's more sort of in the media landscape. What about for you personally? How... How, and, and I know there's all kinds of different styles. Mm-hmm. Some people are really regimented. Some people yeah. are like every day. You know, and folks like just every day at 8 a.m. I'm posting a video and there are people who are very random. So what about you? Structure, what you think matters, what doesn't matter? Yeah, I think you have to figure out what the landscape is also. Like back in the day, I used to post one video a month and then I was like, uh-oh, I got to post like once every week because as people are posting more content, I mean, now you have to constantly be posting. Yeah. So, you know, I've kind of figured out sort of a workflow that works for me and what works for my audience. I mean, I do try to post at least every day. And at one point I was posting every day in my main channel, every day on my second channel, which was a little bit less edited, and then two gaming videos a day. So I was doing so many videos that I was actually like losing my mind and I got super depressed and I was like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. So I cut back and now I basically only do like one channel and I put most of my energy into that and I'm able to create better content and more consistently and sort of just grow that. So there's like one place that you can go. So I think you really need to listen to yourself and if something isn't working, figure out how to change it and also listen to your audience. You need to know what they want to see. Ask yeah. them, like they're there. Like they, right. they will tell you what they want to see. So that was also a beautiful little segue to um, a friend of mine named Brene Brown. I don't know if you know Brene's work. Um, she talks about gold-plated grit and gold-plated mm-hmm. grit. She identifies it as when, say you and I are talking and we talk about, oh, I got really depressed. But then we're right back to the, yeah. like, oh, yeah, but then everything was awesome. I figured it out, and then I went to the Grammys. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, you know, one of the things that uh, you mentioned being entertaining, I have always tried to have a super positive message, but there's the other side of the coin that this is hard, and if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. We talk about a lot of people doing it, but you're one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth of a percent of the so people who people. start. Yeah, but you have made it successful. And so without like you and I weeping, (laughs) what's the other side that people don't know about of being self-employed, of being a YouTuber, a content creator, all these hyphens that we've talked about or a dog DJ? Yeah, I mean, it's rough. And I mean, people don't see the bad days where I'm just like, I actually can't get out of bed because I cannot bring myself to turn the camera on and be happy. And like, I like to film when I'm feeling good and I'm excited about something. So it's like, I like to, when I'm feeling great, like I'll film a bunch of videos and then if there's a day that I'm having a bad day and I just don't want to be bothered, I'll post one of those videos. But I'm also not opposed to talking about how I'm feeling and if I'm having a down day. You know, I love, you know, making videos just to let people know like, hey, this is real. Like this is, not everything's perfect. And I think that's a huge flaw with like the Instagram photos is everyone always looks perfect and happy, which is great because that's what you want to portray. Sure, you want some positivity. Yeah, but it's like you, you do have to also be real with people. And I think there has to be a time and place for that because I don't want people coming to my channel and just see me complaining and having a bad day or I don't feel well or this and that. Uh, so it's, it's kind of finding that fine line of balance because I want people to come to my channel when they're not feeling well that I can make them happy. Yeah. So, but I also want them to know that it's a part of life and that's not everything's perfect. Did it take you a while to figure that balance out? Like how do you, how do you be real but also not like if you're, what if you have two bad days in a row? I mean, that's happened. Oh I mean, God. someone has a bad week. So yeah. it's like, and then, and it does. And, you know, I think 
the good thing is there's other platforms too. So, I mean, I can sit in bed and think of funny tweets all day. This is great. Uh, but it, it really is a fine line. It is a balance. And I don't think I've figured it out yet. Yeah. And I think that's just a growing learning curve. And it's a process that you just kind of work with your audience. I think it's an interesting point that you raise around listening to your audience. So how much of you do you feel like you cultivate for the people who are paying attention to you? And this, whether, I don't know, it sort of touches on celebrity, but I'm trying to make it more about creating. Mm -hmm. So how much of it, of what you create is created for you, like in service of your message, your vision, your, and how much of it is, um, is listening and responding to the, the world? Um, you know, I think some of the more difficult comments to read are when people are like, yeah, usually I really like your videos, but this one wasn't so good and this is why. And I mean, for me, that's actually really difficult to hear. It's more difficult to hear than the, I hate you, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're fat, everything about you is the worst, you should die. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> cool, I get it, doesn't bother me. But you know, hearing the constructive criticism, sometimes I'm like, shoot, you're like, these people, yeah. like, they are right. And using that and not being afraid to like try to make better content yeah. and you know, listen to things that they like and just, and, and it really is kind of difficult sometimes because you're like, this is perfect, I love everything that, that I'm posting and then you realize that, well, maybe if you take their advice or take somebody else's advice, it can actually make it better. Do you have a filter for that? How do you decide that? Like what to listen to and what to discard? Because I'm sure that's a spectrum. It is. And on a bad day, you might listen to something too far on one end of the spectrum. Or how do you, what's your, what's your sort of method there? I don't think there's any method. It's just, yeah. it's just you read and you just kind of take it all with a grain of salt and try to figure out what you can do better next time and how to keep yourself entertained, really, yeah. and still enjoy doing it. I think one of the things that as I'm, yeah, water break. Um, as, <clears throat> as I'm listening to you, there's this recurring theme of sort of taking care of yourself first. It's like the put your oxygen mask on before assisting other passengers. Yes, and it's I, true. <laughs> but I think that's a really important um, point too. You know, uh, there's a lot of folks out there, especially in the, now that creativity is sort of at an all-time high and it's being recognized and sort of valued for the thing that it is. But I think in previous worlds, it was thought that you had to have a destructive, um, painful, life in order to be creative and to write about your hardships and, you know, go all Jim Morrison. Yeah, for musicians, maybe, yeah. for sure. But, <laughs> but yeah, but clearly that's not what you, you know, that, that doesn't seem to me a representation of you or a whole host of the people who I pay attention to or in our peer yeah. group. Um, what do you think? Is that an important ingredient or can you just, it sounds like you don't have that hang up. No, I mean, I, I like... I don't know. I mean, I feel like you get in these modes and motivation sometimes is super difficult. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things that I do struggle with because, you know, I technically work for myself. So how do I wake up every day and, you know, find that motivation to, to keep going? And it, it sounds, it's like, how do I keep going? I just don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> it's so hard. It is so hard, but it is. I mean, I still shoot, edit everything. So it's like, I'm setting up lights, I'm setting up my cameras. And then like last night I shot this entire video and I didn't realize that the, it, it could stop recording halfway through. So I was like, I just lost a half an hour of incredible stuff that I could have been using. So, you know, like those things happen yeah. too. And I'm just like, oh, so frustrated. And then I have to wait until the lighting is perfect. And it's just, it's, it's these little things that, that yeah. end up just 
kind of grinding on you every single day. And, you know, it's, it is a process, but again, like I, I love the final outcome. I love connecting with people. And, you know, I know we keep reiterating this. It's just like, what do you want to do? You know, like I'm so lucky and, and I have so much fun doing it. And I actually love editing more than anything. That's so amazing. I'm just like, I need to hurry up and shoot this stupid video so I can get to editing and I can just be like in my zen. Said no one ever, no, except I, like professional editors. I know, but like I, <laughs> there's nothing that I can ever focus on. Like I'm super just ADD, I everywhere. Leg, like making Lego, building Lego sets and editing. Like I'm in my happy place, complete zen, completely focused. Wow. <laughs> nothing else. So let's shift gears. You personally, Justine, um, background, came from Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. It's cold in Pittsburgh. It is cold. Not here in LA, it's warm. But there's a bunch of other stuff in between. So you, you referenced like making videos in sixth grade. You referenced being a computer. I don't know if you said nerd or geek. You said one of those things. I was in a, well, I, I mean, I guess you technically could call it that, but now it's cool to be that. Super so cool. I'm so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> But give us a little bit of your personal arc, like figuring it out, being awkward, um, and yeah. So because we heard Pittsburgh computer yeah. class, and then we heard moved to LA, slept on the floor for two months. But uh, give me a little bit of color in between. Yeah, so I'd say about you, the human. Sixth grade is when I made my first website, which was when I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. And I remember going to my first website, Nintendo.com, and I was like, cool. How do they make this? And then I went to like view source and I saw like all these symbols and letters and everything. I was like, oh wow, what is this? So then I looked up what that was. I was like, oh, HTML, cool. And then I kept teaching myself how to like make simple code. I mean, in sixth grade, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but now kids in sixth grade are, uh, they're- Coding games. They're, yeah, and, everything. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> it's and it's, so it's cool. so cool to see that. But uh, for, you know, from that, it just, it just kept growing. Like my love of technology, you know, I was making like animations seventh and eighth grade and then I had like that daily random photo site it all through high school and I like got one of my first video cameras it was like a digital little tiny little Sony that yeah it was crazy yeah it was yeah. great so then I was doing that kind of stuff and just always posting and, and making content and trying to make my family laugh and then I started posting videos on I guess not YouTube quite yet, but I was just filming like my day and just making funny things in between. So I was basically vlogging before vlogging was even a thing. Um, I ran like a tech blog. I was always like reviewing different cool new websites. It was called Tasty Blog Snack, which is so strange. I don't know. <laughs> and then me and my friend Desiree, who I had met in college, we both shared sort of that same mindset of like just weird, creative, wanted to make fun, cool stuff. So you know, I definitely owe a lot of the original video making stuff that we did. Like we always did that together. And we started like a podcast back in the day when podcasting was not even a thing. Uh, and yeah. I mean, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot of things. Non-traditional. I'm hearing a, like uh, college. Yes. No, I did. It was a two year school, but okay. I went for like video production, editing, um, like 3d. It was like everything all in two years straight. Was there a pressure to do that? Like familial, societal, cultural, For and, sure. and is that why you did it? Or did you go to actually get the skills? I'm glad that I did go. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that I didn't do a traditional school because like, I think even my mom knew that that wasn't right for me. Like yeah. she kept trying to force me to take like my SATs and all of that stuff. And I was just like, eh, I just don't play on my computer. And she saw the stuff that I was doing and I think she saw that there was a passion and I actually was doing a really good job. I was like creating websites for everybody in the community, which is, 
the middle of nowhere, so it's kind of like the outlying communities. So that was sort of like my job, like freelancing in like seventh grade, making seventh websites grade. for like the local sheep farms. <laughs> it's so silly. <laughs> That's amazing. So I mean, I'm just so lucky that like my mom really was so supportive, you know, thinking back now, like she could have been like, no, you got to go to college. You need to have a traditional degree. And like my little sister, she went to, um, she got like, she's a forensics degree, a biology degree, like a speech pathology degree, like all this crazy stuff. Wow. And now she makes YouTube videos, went to college for five years. So she's doing quite well making YouTube. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking that traditional path yeah. because I think sometimes doing that, you'll find what you really love. And for me, I was lucky that I knew that I loved video production and editing. So going to school, I mean, I met so many incredible people there and I really did find myself and found that it was okay to be doing and liking what I was doing. And everybody there was super supportive of all the weird and crazy things that I liked doing. So it was like, oh, I'm feeding off of this creativity of, of other strange and fun and creative people. That's what's beautiful about, you know, I don't think that at that, at that time, it was probably more of the place where you would go to get that mm -hmm. is an environment where those things and those ideas are happening and there people are open to them and it's experimentation. But now that's actually not needed, right? Because yeah, the internet. The, that, yeah, you have your community. We just talked about people who want to knit portraits of rock stars. I like, bet they're out. We have to find them. Yeah, we need this to. Is, this is happening. <laughs> Can I use my phone now? I'm going to go. I'm we go. need to find it. We need to knit. I'm currently live. Oh, okay. Instagram live. Hello. <laughs> there she is. Um, all right, then. I'm going to end. Bye, people, because I need Bye. to go find. We need to knit. Knit. What, what is it? Knitting portraits? Let's yeah, see. People who knit portraits of rock stars. <laughs> Are you out there? Portrait rock star knitting. Portrait rock star knitting. Rock star knitting patterns. Well, there's knitting patterns, so there's definitely, it's gotta be a thing. <laughs> this is incredible. Okay, well that's a hat. So we're gonna need to do a little bit we're of research, need, but it's out there. But it's out there, so there's a thing. Um, all right, so somewhat non-traditional education as a sixth grader coding, because that was sort of a little bit fringe, becoming more mainstream, to your degree, um, decided not to go to college. Was it right in the, is it somewhere in the middle of your two-year degree where you figured, you know what, I'm going to LA because that's where the no. things that I want to do and be happen? So I mean, at least the two-year was like, okay, I have an associate, so I have something to be like, which my mom really did want me to go and just have at least something to fall back on in case whatever it was that I was doing. Uh, but after that, I worked at a graphic design place. We made like brochures and flyers and um, even like vinyl car wraps, which is my favorite because all that extra vinyl and that space that I had when I was like putting in Illustrator, I made my own little decals. I was printing out Apple logos and passing them out to all my friends. <laughs> Super, uh, you know, just, yeah, that's cool. That's a cool thing to do. Um, but yeah, and so then after that, uh, it was kind of crazy because I had a guy come in who he was getting a bunch of like flyers printed and a bunch of design stuff made up. And he goes, hey, do you know how to edit video? I'm like, oh, yes, please, I, I, that's what I wanna do and I'm here doing graphic design, which is fine, we still love it. He's like, well, I'll double your salary if you come work for me. I was like, oh, what? Okay, cool. Like as a just out of college person that has no idea what they're doing and is making no money, I was like, that sounds great, let's do it. So I go in for the interview, he asked me if I know how to use Avid. Uh, I don't like, know yes how to, to use Avid, but I'll figure it out. So yes, I do. <laughs> so then I ended Avid, up, oh my God. I know. And at the point that, at that point, I was editing in um, Premiere. Hmm. So I was like, well, if I can edit in Premiere, timeline, same, it's all the same. 
not the same at all. Hmm. So I get in there like the first day and thankfully they have another editor and he basically like helped me and like taught me basically all of the basics. So I was like, great, I'm now an avid editor after a week. So doing that, it was, it was actually a chiropractor and we made like these movie commercial things for chiropractic and then um, for just one office? Yeah, but he sold like these instruments worldwide. So we would have to go uh, to like all of these different like conferences and film and do all these crazy things. But again, I, I think I talked about earlier, like I was a super fast editor. So I was like, great, all those are done. Now I have time to do whatever else I want. So I was filming like videos in the office with my friend Desiree, who then I took her from the graphic design place because we both went to the same college. Both graduated there, worked at the graphic design, and then I brought her over to the, the chiropractor. And then we're just making funny videos in the office. So my first YouTube video is from that office. And people can go there right now. Yeah, it's still there. I was making oatmeal in the, in the microwave. That's a video, see? I know, but it was, it was so silly and I did what I was doing. I basically was started making those videos so that I could learn Final Cut Pro on the side of learning Avid because I was like, I don't not into this and I this, wanted to use a Mac and it was yeah. on a PC. So that's the first job out of college-ish. Mm -hmm. we, we're still not in California yet. Nope, we're still in Pittsburgh. So those were those two jobs and then um, the, the chiropractic job was so awful. I mean, we were working like 80 plus hours a week, nothing. I mean, it was actually, it was a pretty abusive environment mm. and we don't have to go into the details because okay. it, it was really bad. Like it just, employees treated terribly, everything about it. Um, nameless, this chiropractor. Yeah, nameless. well, they, they tore down the place, and it's now an Eaton Park, if anybody knows what Eaton Park is. So some of the, the old school employees, we like to dine there and just reminisce. Mm -hmm. But after that, uh, so Desiree, she quit fairly recently after I quit, and then we started doing just freelance stuff, and I was doing YouTube videos. And then I saw there was a Yahoo talent show contest, like 2007. The winner gets $50,000, a trip to New York, and I ended up entering it, made a bunch of videos. And then we ended up in like the top five. So we flew to New York. Tom Green was one of the judges. Oh the long story short, I ended up losing, came in second. Second. Didn't win First the money. Loser. Yeah. So that sucked. But it sort of for me and the rest of my family and immediate friends, they were like, oh, cool, this is actually something. Like yeah, you're on the front page of Yahoo. Yeah. And then um, when the first iPhone came out, it's probably like 2007 too, and I was live streaming. Um, I still had it moved, but I didn't even have enough money for the phone. Like I couldn't even buy it. And that was like my life. Like that was all I wanted. Thankfully, some company offered to fly me out to the Mall of America to go and sort of cover the launch for my blog. And they didn't pay me. I just got to go to the launch. And so I just still didn't have money for the phone. <laughs> but I was technically first in line filming the guy first in line. I was like, cool, have fun. Go buy your phone. I'm not going to get one. And then flew back home. Bone crushing. Still had my Sprint oh, phone. And then they ended up sending me one. No. And it was like, it was like the coolest thing like anyone has ever done for me. Like it, I mean, it really did change everything. Because that phone, I mean we all know. I'm getting yeah. emotional yeah. now, just we, thinking no. about the first iPhone and, yeah. and and of course it was it was one of the first viral videos too that I had, you know, I unboxed that and then I got like this crazy phone bill for anybody that doesn't know. It was 300 pages and that was because of Twitter because Twitter used to only send text messages. Yes. So early. super early. Yeah. It was like 40404. <laughs> you would text and then it would send a tweet and then there wasn't much of a web presence. So you would be getting everyone's text messages as like status updates in text. So I had like 30 to 50,000 text messages, AT&T itemized every single line 
in a phone bill. I'm flipping through the pages. It was a thing. And, Three, and that's also that's still on YouTube, right? Yeah, that's still there. 30, 300, 300 page. page. Mm-hmm. And did you ever get that thrown out? No, I still have it. Yeah, it's at my parents' house. It's did, great. Did you have to pay it? Oh, it was only $250, it, which was like an activation fee, like two months of the phone bill. So they weren't charging. I had unlimited text, so that was good. They just itemized every single thing, which was the craziest. Did craziness. it come in a box? Yeah, it was like a, I don't know, like a, like a size. Bo- box of paper? Yeah. So silly. Oh. <laughs> okay, so got the iPhone, changed everything. You're still not in California. No, I guess not, huh? So I think I first... But I think, again, there's something that, that I'm also... This is the way I'm going at this, is that you basically created your career, your life, your vision for what it is you wanted to do and be. You didn't have to be in New York or L.A. or any sort of major city in order to start your life. It's true. You, there's so many mm-hmm. people that I correspond with or see on in my community that are like, I just need to do this. I, there's like, there's always another hurdle. I need to get a better camera. I need to, you know, move out of my parents' house. I need to um, go to New York to start my fashion photography career, start my filmmaking career. And I'm trying to get people to understand that I don't actually know anybody who decided to do nothing where they were and then saved up all their time and energy and only started when they went to New York or whatever. Yeah. There's all kinds of pilgrimage stories, of, but it's after you've started your thing and actually you care about it enough to make the journey, but I want to hear about it from you. No, that's so true. And I mean, I, I feel like if I would have came out here to LA, I just would have been another girl trying to do auditions and, oh, she has blonde hair, cool, I'll go cast you in, as an extra doing that. And and for me, you know, I, I didn't, I had no concept of LA. I, don't, I didn't know anything. So I was like, I, I never even wanted to move here. Like, why would I want to go here? I don't, there's no, I like sheep farms. Yeah, there's no reason. I don't know. I mean, I was so happy in Pittsburgh. I loved it. I had my friends and everything was going really well. And I think something that I realize now is, you know, I quickly rose to the top of Pittsburgh. Everybody in Pittsburgh knew who Justine was. I just seen crazy girl, camera, blah, blah, camera blah. Camera ahead. So it's like, be the best at where you are. And then when you outgrow that, then it's time to go. So yeah. that's something that I didn't realize I was even doing. Had no idea until now. Um, but then, you know, I took a meeting out in LA and then I came out, I think the first time when you say took a meeting, like people were starting to notice. Yeah. So I was, I was getting, you know, agency requests and I was like, "Eh, I don't know, this is all foreign to me. I don't know what's happening. And even to this day, I love being super independent and knowing that everything that I'm doing, I control and I make and I own. But the first time I went to San Francisco was for the, um, the Mac WWDC conference, or it was Mac World at that time. So it was like the launch of the new iPhone, and that's where they announced it. And I was like, holy crap, there's a whole other world out here that I didn't even know existed. Because I, my entire world was in Pittsburgh. Everything I knew, all my friends, everything. And that was the first time where I felt like I outgrew where I was. And I was like, I want to be here. And then in that same trip, I also went to LA. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. There's a whole other world. And that's when I felt like it was time to go. And I sort of just like moved and never really came back. So I don't think I really told anybody that I was moving. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't think I was really knew I was moving. Um, so it just, I feel like you just kind of do it. It's, again, it feels so easy to say. Yeah. But if you guys were in my shoes back in the day, you definitely wouldn't say that. What, we, talk to me about some of the emotions. Fear, any of that stuff? Or do you, did you feel like you always had a handle on it? Resourceful? Smart, hardworking, you're going to get there. I think so. I mean, I kind of always have this thought in the back of my mind is like, well, no matter what happens, like, I'm going to figure it out. And there was a lot of, 
oh crap, I got to figure out this situation. And yeah. it just, I constantly always hitting a wall of something where I'm like, I'm in trouble. Like I could, I mean, I could essentially die doing whatever these crazy things are. I mean, it's a little bit far-fetched, but you know, even silly things like, one, I want another really good story. Um, back when Twitter was, it was super small, I remember landing in Vegas and seeing, I tweet, oh, I'm in Vegas, cool, so excited. Tony Shea tweets me and says, hey, want to come by the office? I don't know Tony. He's the CEO of Zappos. Had no idea. And Cut. yeah, at that point, that was like when they were just... Yeah. Yep. He's like, well, I'll come pick you up and you can take a tour of the office. Picks me up at the airport. Tony never met him. Like, I'm getting in a car with an essential stranger going to tour Zappos. And, and you know, I think it's, I'm not saying get in the car with strangers because you definitely shouldn't <laughs> be doing that. But I just feel like sometimes that gut feeling, yeah. you need to listen to it. And I mean, sometimes it might steer you wrong, but for the most part, it's like you know yourself and, and if you don't, you will. I'm a huge freak about intuition. I think it's the strongest thing that we have that works for us. Like you said, also as wise as it sometimes can lead you astray, but you also know as yeah. soon as you've gone astray, you're like, oh, I think I messed up on that one. Yep. And you can get back on the path. So it's fair to say that you have done a good job of paying attention to that. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of situations where I'm in that situation because I'm like, oh, this is a great idea. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> what am I doing? Like, this is a terrible idea. And you just kind of like, I feel like staying calm is sometimes a very difficult thing to do, but it's the best thing to do because you really can't think when you're going crazy and sporadic. And I think sometimes that also hurts me when I'm playing video games because I start freaking right. out, especially playing Call of Duty. I start raging and I'm like, no, I need to breathe. I need to focus. And then I start playing better. So you can use it for all aspects of your life. No, I love I love you, especially in long term, long form. Mm -hmm. Like so much of the, the you that I think your fans get is small bite-sized pieces, mm -hmm. two, three, five minutes, which is awesome. That's part of your media. But to hear you explicate along these things is, I, I really, you know, I appreciate well, that. Thank you. Yeah, this is this is rough. I'm like, cool, uh, five minutes, cool, yeah. we're done. Edit, now I gotta go edit. <laughs> you should have seen that. You said, well, yeah, we'll record for about an hour. Her, her, she had like, these, like, her eyes went, okay. No, it's cool. I mean, I, I love doing this type of stuff, okay. but again, it's, you know, the nature of, I feel like what I've created isn't a yeah. sit down setting. I mean, maybe, maybe this will be next, who knows? I, but I love, hearing you talk about the things that you can get it in the book you can get it in probably some other pieces of your life or you can piece it together but i love hearing it all in place so speed round i, I love beverages yes there's like five different beverages over yeah there. well i've got yeah. like two favorites yeah you have two you have three wait you did you walk in with coffee you walked in with oh, yeah. mate this is, is your mate yes yeah your mate mm -hmm. and we're drinking water Favorite beverage? Is it your mate? Oh my gosh, yes. I found them. 2011 Comic-Con. I had one, and I've been addicted ever since. Um, so good. Candy. Snack candy. <gasps> candy. Oh my God. Junior Mints. Still a favorite. Junior but Mints. Also, there's a company called Saris back where I'm from, and it is the best candy ever. S-A-R-R-I-S. -R -R -I, I swear to you, it will change your life. Uh, I'll send you some. Do you like candy? Yeah. Okay, good. Just making sure. <laughs> but uh, like, I'm more of a Swedish fish, and I'm more of a milk <gasps> dud. Milk duds versus um, uh, what did you go ahead? You might still be able to get them. Valentine's Swedish fish. They're heart shaped. They're so much better than the actual fish because there's a there, it's a better consistency. It will blow your mind. Uh, when they get a little hard, I, yeah. I, I, I gotta say I don't love them. Yeah, this, you'll love the hearts. Okay. Order them before they get stale. <laughs> Order them before they sell out when the yes. video comes out. So good. Um. Movie. This is gonna be creepy. Like, okay. 
I'm ready for creepy brand. It stills my favorite movie, uh, Requiem for a Dream. Wow. Super creepy. What, what about it is special for you? Um, I think for me, it was the first time that I watched it where I was really paying attention to production and editing. And also it kind of, I saw the, the ups and the downs of how quickly things can change in your life. And I feel like that just knowing and seeing that movie at a young age sort of kept me completely just aware of how quickly things can also yeah. fall away. And it's, it still is crazy to me. Like I, I've never done drugs. It still is a crazy thing that people are like, Really? You never even smoked a cigarette? I'm like, no, I didn't drink until I was 23. I do enjoy a nice glass of wine, though, mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. say. But, you know, I think, I don't know, that movie, it definitely resonated with me. So I feel like every child should watch it. Um, favorite town that's not your own? <gasps> I love San Francisco. I really it's do. A special place. It really is. I mean, I'm you can, most of my time you can there find anything there. How about favorite place abroad? Favorite place abroad. You travel much? Ooh, I had a really. Hmm. I, I really wanted to go to Croatia. My mm. sister went there, and mm. it looked incredible. But I had a really fun time in Italy, actually. How about um, favorite non-cartoon character? Non-cartoon? Non-cartoon character. Do you have a favorite character? Oh, my God. I, what? But isn't everyone, like, essentially sort of a cartoon character? Because, like, I would say, like, I mean, Iron Man, he's... Sort of? Is that, that, does that count? That's I mean, but this is live similar. action. Yeah, yeah, no, that's <laughs> fair. Um, yesterday, would you give yourself some advice on yesterday? What could you do different or better? Oh, God. what? what I don't even remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> I love it. That's awful. I'm like, that's gone. Done. Gone yesterday. But I there's... probably would have started filming a little bit earlier so that I would have had the video done for today. Got it. So, yeah. But you know what? I can't stress about it. It'll be up tomorrow or the next day or maybe next week. That's Someday. A th- that's a thing. See, so just just like rolling with it. Um, <laughs> any questions for me? Questions for the audience at home? Yeah, I mean, what? <laughs> like, what are you? No person's ever said no to that. By the way, this is what I like. That go ahead. I'm buying I mean, myself time now. <laughs> I mean, I guess for people at home, it's like, what are you most passionate about? I mean, like, what do you? What's like your favorite thing? My favorite thing especially right now, is trying to help other people just tap into the thing that I've tapped into, which mm-hmm. is what we've been talking about for the last, like, I don't know, 55 minutes, yeah. which is the ability to make a living and a life doing almost literally anything that you you love. And getting your recipe for how you did it and others, there's, you know, the Bransons, the Cubans, the folks who um, are super... Mm-hmm. fancy entrepreneurs. Um, I've had the exchange, opportunity to exchange ideas around and then um, little known musicians who people have never heard of or have then become famous, like getting a huge range of perspectives yeah. and helping other people tap into that. I started out, I mean, I think last time we hung out in a, was a pre-Trump White House. We were at uh, the, yeah, last, yeah. the last week of the Obama administration. We were um, doing some influencer stuff at the White House. And it, it, it occurred to me, not at that visit, on a previous visit, that Wait a minute, I started taking pictures of my friends skateboarding, like when I was, whatever, 16, 17. Yeah. And <clears throat> now I'm getting asked to, like, what? Like, how is that linear? And that's my thing, is yeah. that it's not linear. And so putting a ton of energy through Creative Live, through this, and helping people realize that you literally can do that. That can be a thing. You can make up your own script. And, and also, if you don't write that script, 
someone else is definitively going to write it for you. So. so true. Yeah, I mean, I was taking band photography, like photos. Like I want, I was like, I want to be a photographer now. This is great. And then the photography turned into video once the DSLRs had video, yep. and it's you just kind of go with it. And I think for me, I'm very vocal about the things that I like. Mm -hmm. Like I will talk about it all day on Twitter. Everyone thinks that I'm always sponsored. Half the time, I'm not. I'm just yeah. like honestly like liking this thing, and then it comes back full circle because the brand will notice that, oh my God, you really love this? Well, how can we help support you? Right. And I think that's so important because, you know, just letting people know the things that you like. Like I, I, the day that Pizza Hut followed me on Twitter, I cried, I died. <laughs> and then two years later, there's an I just seen Pizza Hut and Pizza Hut. And you know, it's, it's things don't happen overnight. And if they do, you're so lucky, you know? And we've been talking about time. Yeah. We've been doing this for so long and still doing it. I feel so lucky to have you here. I want Thanks to say thank you me. very, very much. Awesome. Much gratitude. And you're the iJustine everywhere. Yep, thankfully. <laughs> oh, you got, got to get there <laughs> you early. You got to get there yeah, early. I'm, just, I'm also Justine on Put Twitter. Put a stake in it. What's that? <gasps> I'm also Justine on Twitter. Ooh. Mm -hmm. It's private. I'm a sandwich. Yeah. You can't even. Yeah, that's right. It's who you know. Thank you so much for being <laughs> on the show. You. I appreciate it. All right, that about wraps it up. But before I let you go, I want to say, A, a huge thank you. B, let you know how to find me. I'm basically at Chase Jarvis all over the internet, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm very active on Snapchat. You guys should check it. If that's a platform that you enjoy, uh, check me out there, as well as all the other ones. It's a super important ask for you to share this also. Uh, subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, and or Stitcher. And most definitely, if you're willing to put in a little bit of extra juice, please leave a review on iTunes. That helps make our podcast more visible. Last place that you can check it out and, and get some additional value is in my newsletter, which is chasejarvis.com slash VIP. That is where I put content out before it hits my social platforms. So that's sort of the insider track. Leave comments all over the internet for me. I will track them down and respond as best I can. And uh, again, huge thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'm looking forward to the next episode already. I hope you'll join me next time.